0: Anyway, thanks again for, Travis, for filling in. Just wanted to get those announcements out of the way, um, uh, just to make you sensitive to areas of prayer, uh, what to pray for, who to pray for. Um, We appreciate uh, the prayerful, uh, the the prayers of the righteous availeth much. That is something that uh, we want to always keep in mind. Prayers are meaningful. They are helpful. Now, I'm going to go ahead and get back to uh, our discussion on heaven. And just as a, as a reminder, uh, just to let you know this, I wouldn't call this an elementary discussion about heaven. I would say it's a necessary discussion because as we have had conversations before about discipleship, one of the things that we are challenged to be able to do and challenged to be able to have conversations with other people about Jesus Christ And this is just an opportunity for you to, as you have this discussion about heaven and what it's like and look at verses, we need to be more versed and have the ability to speak to other people about Christ. And having common points of knowledge to do so can't hurt. It certainly will help you. So, this is an area of conversation that you can have with someone because you have to understand uh, the world, the view of heaven is, is something that they really can't put their arms around. But you, as a believer, have more insight into what heaven really means and what it, com- it consists of. And that's why we're having this discussion. I mean, we don't, um, it's not necessarily to inform you, it's more to reinforce. But it's also to help you to be able to disciple others. We have to be able to talk to other people about matters of Christ, matters of Scripture, matters of the Bible. And that's what this exercise is for. So I want to make sure that you're aware of that and make sure that that is the purpose of this conversation that we're having uh, over this. So let's go ahead and pray and we will go ahead and get started. Father, we just thank you again for this time that you've given us to come together and have a conversation and discussion about what heaven is like and, Lord, the relevance that it means for us, the relevance that it means for people that we even minister to and disciple. We thank you again for this discussion. We thank you for the discussion that is buoyed and bolstered by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As you can tell, I have a handheld mic today because uh, the other mic apparently uh, is out of commission. So we will use this and I can easily switch hands if I need to. I don't have to have a handheld or an, a non-handheld mic, so I'm all good with it. So hopefully if I keep it consistent by my, my lips, you'll hear me beautifully. Um, <laughs> so, so we're actually in part two of this. So if you have the handout... Um, from a couple of weeks ago. We're going to pick up where we left off uh, pretty much at that point. I think the best way to do that is just to kind of look at, just go right to the top and refresh and then head our way down the page that way. And that way we'll be able to uh, have the consistent discussion about what heaven is like. We've already had that conversation about it a couple of weeks ago. We're going to pick back up where we left off. So we know that heaven exists. We know that it is there. We just don't have a whole lot of information about it uh, because the the Bible talks about it a little bit here, a little bit there. It's not a big, rich discussion. We're literally on page one of two of of section two, part two and three, and that's where we're going to pick up. So we have only just information. You know, we have people who have drawn pictures. We have people who have done sketches we have people who have tried to you know say that there's the pearly gates we have this we have that but we really don't know we really aren't going to know until we get there and we we're not going to to be able to see all of that does everybody have parts two and three it's the it's the literally the the second part of our lesson it's it'll say okay we have copies right here you 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 can you can do what you will with that. There you go. So if you need it, if you need that copy, let me know. We oh you got some you got a little something on your mouth lip on your lip over there. Okay, I wasn't gonna put that on the you know. <laughs> so so um, thank you. Um, but I just want to make you aware. Let's look at it again at the the top of the handout. It says, what is heaven like? Here are seven biblical facts about heaven. At least we have something to draw upon. Um, and I'm not going to read all of those verses. I'm just going to go down this list real quick. Um, but it's uh, God's dwelling place. Um, it's where Christ is today. Uh, number three, it says where Christians go when they die. Uh, that's Philippians 1:21 through 23. It's the Father's house. Um, John 14:2. Um, a City Designed and Built by God, Hebrews 10 11. Uh, let's take a look at that. Let's go to Hebrews 10. I believe that's where we left off. I, I want to make sure that we're at least looking at some of these verses. Hebrews 11.10. 10. You'll notice that it is actually in a section that we'll be spending some time even having a conversation about during our seminar, uh, and it's talking about faith. And the section, the heading of that passage uh, in Hebrews 11 is about by faith. Faith is the whole root and the premise of this conversation about heaven. We have faith that what we're reading is true. Amen? That's what it starts with. We have faith that what we're reading is actual truth. If we don't believe that, we might as well just pack up and go home. Because if we don't believe what we're reading, then there's no sense in having this discussion. So by faith, we believe that what we're reading is truth. And you notice that we have all those different um, faith conversations about Abel and Enoch and Noah. And notice the verse eleven six. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith is a necessary element of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now look what it says in verse 10. Now notice how it says by faith. You have to almost look at this and if you want to add the words by faith in the front of it. It says for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. There is a city designed and built by God waiting for us. When he says that he has prepared a place for us, that place is where? In this city. In this location that has been prepared. And it has what? The foundations. It has an architect and a builder who is God himself. It's the place that he has prepared for us. And by faith, we believe that that is where we will be because it's a promise that he's made to us. And we understand that God's promises are promises that he keeps. But guess what? We also believe that by what? By faith. We have evidence that God keeps his promises because he has kept many, many promises that we have seen and referenced in Scripture. And so we have that as evidence that he does indeed keep his promises. If he says that he is going to return again, we believe that in faith because that is what he told us. Now, you understand from anyone who's outside of this realm of thought processes. When it comes to faith for the world, what we're saying is like, well, how do you know he's gonna keep his promise? Well that's because they're having that conversation with themselves because they don't have any trust in what they're being told. We have faith that what we're reading is true. And so we need to understand that when you're communicating with someone from a discipleship perspective You've got to go back to the fact that faith is a necessary element in all of this. Faith has to be a part of this discussion. A person who truly understands who Jesus Christ is does so on the root basis of faith and trusting. The world doesn't trust anything. Amen? That's a general statement, but it's a fair fair statement. They don't trust anything. So you're going against, you're going into a worldly perspective where people that you talk to who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ truly are skeptical about a lot of things. There's, sometimes it's good to have healthy skepticism. You know, you have people who within even the faith community will have conversations about things that ultimately really don't mean anything. But they'll have conversations about what this part of Scripture means or was the rapture, post-tribulation or pre-tribulation. Those conversations really don't matter after all is said and done. Because, first of all, they're beyond your control. We know there's going to be a rapture, but we don't know when it's going to be. Because we're not supposed to know when it's going to be. And you can have a conversation about that, and no one's going to get mad at you for having that conversation. But if you veer off into an area where it takes you away from what the real reason and purpose is for your faith, then you're going to have a problem. We as believers should be consistent in our conversation with non-believers about the importance, the root importance of faith. It has to be part of the conversation. Believing and faith. You know, when we look at with God all things are possible, that's something that we have to truly believe. It has to be a belief. It has to be a strong and firm belief. It can't be a belief that wavers. All things are possible. If God can use King Cyrus, a pagan, make a declaration because that's what you're reading if you're reading right now and following the, the the bible plan and you're reading the book of ezra that's where you find that conversation about king cyrus who put out a decree about rebuilding jerusalem and setting up the um the whole point of worship in jerusalem and people gathering together and building and getting stone cutters and gathering all the people together but king cyrus had to make that decree Without that decree, it doesn't happen. So how is it possible that God can use King Cyrus, a pagan, to make a decree about people of faith following their own God and going and worshiping back in Jerusalem? Well, God is the one who has to do that. God can use anyone to accomplish his will And his purpose. With God all things are possible. But you have to believe it. Now that book of Ezra. Is a way for you to actually see. God in action. And that's what took place. Number six. A better country. Go down to verse 16. In Hebrews 11. A better country. First of all, let me ask you a question. Do you think that heaven is a better place than here? You bet. (laughs) You betcha. Now, you're only going by what you're reading. You're only going by what you're having a conversation. We talk about streets of gold and this pure gold that we read about in Revelation. Well, that's way better than what we got right now. You just start with that. No disappointment, n- no pain. I mean, these things that we're hearing about and reading about and seeing, it has to be a better place. Now, my wife is such a sweetheart. You know, she's having back pain today. Now, she's not going to openly complain about it, but that's something that she's not going to have to worry about when she <laughs> leaves here. There will be no more pain like that because no one wants that pain. Amen. Amen. You know, we all have had aches and pains, and we understand that. No pain. It's a better place, a better country. Verse 16 in Hebrews 11 says, But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. A heavenly place, heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And let's personalize that. He's prepared a city for us. For me and you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have citizenship of this new country, this new place. You are a citizen of this new country. You know, all the conversation we have about immigration and who's legal, who's illegal. You know, this is immediate citizenship. When you declare yourself as uh, a person who is following the Lord Jesus Christ and believes in him, you have immediate citizenship in this new country this new place. Amen to that. And number 7 paradise. Go to Luke 23. Luke 23. Paradise. Who knows where this is coming where this is coming from? Luke no. Before you even get there, you probably won't you'll figure it out. This is when he's on the cross he says this. On the cross. Remember He uses the word paradise. When you think of the word paradise, I mean, you can even look it up in the dictionary. If you got your, those of you who have your smartphones there, see if you can look up the word paradise in the dictionary. And we'll call out some definitions of paradise. But let's read verse 43 real quick in Luke 23. It says, and he's talking to the uh, other thief on the cross where he says in verse 32, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that's an immediate acknowledgement that Jesus is the king and he has a kingdom and he presides over that kingdom. That thief on the cross knew immediately who he was talking to. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, who has looked up the word Paradise. In the dictionary. Okay. What, go ahead and call out nice and loud for everybody to hear. What, what, uh, what is your definition of paradise? Uh, it says uh, heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The heavenly kingdom. Okay. The abode of Adam and Eve before the
1: fall. In the biblical account of the creation the
0: garden of Eden. What dictionary is that that you're reading? It's just a general... I know where you got that from too. That's that's interesting. That's actually in the definition in the in the, in a regular dictionary. That's pretty good. Anybody else have any other Yes, go ahead. It's a Persian word for garden. A Persian word for garden. a place of glorified spirit. Okay. Ooh. In the back of the Bible? paradise. There it is. A perfect place. Heaven. And he's actually referencing that same verse that we just talked about right there. Luke 23, 43. Now, how about that? I don't know if you expected that as a definition or not, but that is a very, that's almost, that's specific. That's a very specific definition of paradise. You know, when we talk about From a worldly perspective, paradise to us is what? Going on a sandy beach somewhere. Or being in warm weather, if you like warm weather. You know, for other people, paradise might be a cold environment. If you love to ski, you can't wait to hit the ski slopes. Because it's skiing and you're ready to go out there and start shushing in the the snow. Is that what they do, shush? Swishing in the snow? And for you, that might be paradise. That might be the best thing ever. There's a friend of ours who loves cold weather. I think she's crazy, but personally, but she likes cold weather. But that's to her what she thinks is really special for her. Yeah. You, oh, you were agreeing. Okay. Yes. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay.
1: place condition of great happiness where everything is exactly as you would like it to be.
0: That's right. That's exactly what I was getting at the way you would like it to be. We all have an idea of how we would like things to be. You know, we have this image or this thing that, you know, maybe it's a worldly thing, maybe it's something that's been put into our way of thinking, but we're always looking for the best possible scenario for ourselves, especially when we stop working. Amen? You know, what does that really mean, you know? Does that mean that you're going to be on a beach in Mexico somewhere all the time? Not really. It really doesn't. But ultimately, it, 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 it does it mean you're going to be living in Vegas for, you know, whatever it is? For, the... <laughs> for some people, it might be. Yes. You had... Yeah. We really don't. Yeah. We don't. We, we can't. We can't. All we know is from our own experiences and from the experiences of other people that were around who talk about stuff. We used to hear back in the day. And for those of you who are old enough to remember back in the 70s, Mrs. Gaines, my bride will also remember this, too. There were folks who could not wait to get down to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going down this way. I'm going to Atlanta. Atlanta was barely, you know, getting going. You know, it was, it was barely getting started. But everybody just said, I'm going to Atlanta because I know I can find work down there. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And that's what they said. That was like, Atlanta? Why do you want to go to Atlanta? Well, for one thing, it's down south. It's warm, warmer than it is here. So most people were thinking that way. Isn't that true? That's what they were saying. It was like, well, I'm going down to Atlanta. And now, now it's Vegas. Vegas is the destination for most people going down. Why? Because a lot of times it's warm and dry, you know, it's a dry heat, you know, that type of thing. So people, people would say those things, but we, but, but you know what, Um, Donna's right. We really don't know. We only go by what we experience, what we think. Now, does that mean that Lynn and I won't be going on any more vacations down to Hilton Head or Savannah? And the answer is no, we, we will be going. And we will be going to get out of the cold um, every chance we get Uh, (laughs) because it's nice. So we understand that and recognize that, but we also know that that's not the ultimate. We also know that we may not live down there after we, you know, retire because when hurricanes come through, things change. So we keep that in perspective, too. Um, You had your hand up. I don't want to... No. Perfect is the key word. We don't know what perfect is. No. All we can do is aspire to get as close to what we think perfect is. But we're in a fallen world, and so therefore there's a limitation to that. So paradise, from the definitions we've read based upon what even the Bible dictionary says, is heaven. It's a perfect place. And so perfect is the thing that we can't touch. The only one who has perfection is Jesus Christ. The one who created this place where we're going to have citizenship. He has that thing down with perfection. When we call it perfection. Because he is perfect. He is sinless. A sinless God. An eternal creator. Perfect. We can only, you know, even the things that we make, we can't make them pure. They're going to have some sort of flaw of some sort in them. And yet these streets of gold will be pure. Only God can do that. He's the one who has perfection all within himself. Most of us have heard that heaven is a place where the streets are paved with gold, the gates are made of pearl, and the walls made of precious jewels. Those images come from Revelation 21, which offers us the most extended picture of heaven in the entire Bible. If you ask me if I believe those things are literally true, the answer is yes and no. Yes, they are literally true, but no, heaven won't be anything like what we imagine. It will be much greater. And you know why? Because all we have is the imagery that we can see based upon those pictures. If you go and do a research of uh, the, the picture of heaven in Revelation 21, people can draw something and make it look a certain way but it's based upon what? our limited knowledge. And so therefore, just like when you take a photograph of something. And then you go to that place that has the photograph taken of it and you'll see well, you know what? the photograph doesn't do it justice. That's the that's the words those are the words that you would use when you, until you get there and see it, you can take pictures of Hilton Head Island and say, boy, it looks beautiful. The sand is white. You've got these waves, and it's a still picture. But until you get there, you, don't, you say, the pictures don't do it justice. Guess what? When we get to heaven, we'll say, we're talking about this stuff, but wow. It's going to be much more than what we ever imagined. Yes, you had your... Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. How you picture it in your own mind. I mean, we, we, got, we have an idea. If streets of gold we have, it's based upon what your perspective of gold is. You know, if you've never seen gold, if you, you understand something, your perspective of gold is based upon what? Imperfect gold. Because the gold that we all possess or have has imperfection. So streets of gold is relative to what? Our knowledge of what it is. But but pure gold is actually clear. If you want purity, that's what you're going to see in heaven. But even my description of that is still going to fall short because we don't know what that is. We'd have to see it. He had your hand up. Yes. Based upon your understanding, your ability to understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It might be something completely different. That's right. That's correct, because what we're doing is interpreting Revelation 21 based upon our own personal understanding, just like everybody else is interpreting Revelation 21 and drawing images and pictures based upon how they see it. But it's just a, it's just a, a drawing. It's just a, it's a visualization. No one's gone up there and taken photographs of him and brought them back down. Right? No one's done that. So we only have what we have the limited capacity of understanding To get a glimpse. But yet, guess what? We still have to have faith, don't we? We still have to have faith that this place exists. Whether or not it looks the way we think it's going to look is totally different. And, you know, if you want to, here's the thing. We have to understand something. When you've been different places and you've seen different things, like when we took the trip to Utah last year, and we saw the majestic mountains that we were driving past and through when we were driving through uh, Nevada up into into Arizona. There's a section of Arizona that I-15 goes through, and it's all through the mountains, which is not far from the Grand Canyon, by the way. And then you're going up into Utah, and you have, you're going higher and higher in the elevation. You're going through, and you're seeing mountains 6,000 feet high, 7,000 feet high, 8,000 feet high, 9,000 feet high. And we're not even talking about the tallest mountains in the United States, these are still very tall mountains, but just a majestic view. Only God himself can create what you see. And even that still will pale in comparison to what we're going to be exposed to in heaven. Now, we w- I'm going through this entire exercise, and I want you to just look at this imagery here to remember when you are discipling Non-believers, this is the information that you can use to tell them about this special place and tell them that God is the only God is the one who can do this and only God is the one who can orchestrate this. He is the one who is the uncreated creator of everything that exists. This is what you do when you're talking to people. You're talking about these very things. It doesn't have to be detailed. Keep it very simple. Have them go read Revelation 21. Where do you think this stuff comes from? It's not just somebody making something up. It's a good way to start conversation with people. And I agree with what the author here is saying, too. You know, yeah. I think there's going to be streets of gold. I think there's going to be all those things that we read about in Revelation 21. But is it going to look like what we think it looks like? Probably not. Because we don't have the mental capacity to understand that. Our eyes have to be opened. Remember when Jesus had the conversation with the disciples and then their eyes were opened and they understood the truth? Well, our eyes aren't open to all of this stuff yet. Probably because we couldn't handle it. Yeah, you might want to think about that. We probably couldn't handle that. Because it would go against any understanding we have. Okay. Here's a delightful legend that makes the point very well. And this is a story. I love the old story of the rich man who on his deathbed negotiated with God to allow him to bring his earthly treasures with him when he came to heaven. God's reaction was that this was a most unusual request. But since this man had been exceptionally faithful, permission was granted to bring along just one suitcase. The time arrived, the man presented himself at the pearly gates, suitcase in hand. Both hands, since he had stuffed it with as many bars of gold bullion as would fit. St. Peter said, sorry, you know the rules. You can't take it with you. But the man protested. God said, I could. One suitcase. St. Peter checked, found out that this one would be an exception, prepared to let the man enter, and said, okay, but I will have to examine the contents before you pass. He took the suitcase, opened it, saw the gold bars, and asked quizzically, you brought pavement? No, (laughs) no, this story is from the Sermon Heaven by Dr. David Leininger, March 30th, 1997. That's pretty good. (laughs) When John writes about a street paved with gold, I do not doubt his words. He simply reports what he saw in his vision. Thus, his words are literally true. They are also meant to tell us that the things we value so highly in this life will be used to pave the roads in heaven. Now, that's a really good point. The things that we deem to be precious. Rubies, diamonds, emeralds, all the gemstones, all the, the whole gemstone category. And you know how much this stuff costs. And the pure it is and the more um, unspoiled they are when you create or find them and create them, the more expensive they are. Because everybody knows there's a difference between 14 karat gold and 24 karat gold. Amen? There's a difference. There's a clear difference. You can see the difference. And how valuable it is. And yet here it is. Gold is going to be on the street. Under your feet. That's a great point. So, just from that viewpoint alone, heaven's going to be a special place. Yes. That's right. No. That's right. This, this whole thing about the reward system, you know, we are always compensated or rewarded, for example, on with good behavior, if we, if we have a job... You know, a bonus is basically a reward for a company doing well, you doing well, whatever it is. You know, when we're talking about those crowns that we're earning, whatever that means, based upon our behavior, you're not going to be like, well, I'm going to put all these crowns in the closet. Because it won't mean anything where we are. That's exactly right. You'll cast them right back at his feet. He's the one... He's the reason why you're there in the first place. You know, you talk about appreciation for being where you are in the first place. You have citizenship to heaven. Is there anything greater than that? Not really. Money? Crowns? We would treat it much differently in that environment than the way we treat it today. Great point, Arella. <laughs> much, much, much to think about here. And again, just as a reminder, this is what you would say to people or talk to people about who have a worldly perspective of riches. You can't take it with you. That's a line of a play or something, isn't it? Or, or, or an actual title of a play. Can't take it with you. Okay, any questions? Now, let's go to the next section. Who is in heaven right now? This question is not difficult to answer. God is in heaven because heaven is his his dwelling place. The Lord Jesus has been in heaven ever since he ascended from the earth shortly after his resurrection. And for a reminder, go to Acts chapter 1. Most of you know, and we have read this before. Acts chapter 1. Let's start with verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Now, understand that they still weren't quite sure if the Lord's presence, the fact that he had now been crucified rose from the dead, came back, and gave them information about the truth. They're still asking the question, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom? But their kingdom is referring to an earthly kingdom in Israel. Because understand that Israel was still under Roman rule. They were not in charge of anything, really. The Romans were. Verse 7, but he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So he answered the question saying, don't worry about it. All you need at this point is the Spirit, and you're going to have it. And the Spirit will help you to do mighty things. So even the fact that Israel is being ruled by the Romans, it won't really matter. Because ultimately, you're going to be the witnesses of Christ wherever you go with this Holy Spirit. We have that power now. Amen? Verse 9. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. So guess what? He's in heaven now. He's going to be there and he's he's sitting there right now. And when he comes back, he's coming out of heaven. So we know that that is where he is residing and we know that because he sent the Spirit to us from where he is, because that's what he promised. Now, once again, as a reminder, too, that's one of those promises that God, through Jesus Christ, made and kept. We know that we have a special power to do that. what we do when it comes to ministry, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. power of the spirit to do what we do the power of the spirit gives us the ability to have understanding of what god is teaching us without it we don't have that ability in the flesh we can't do anything the bible tells us that angels are in heaven in fact there are myriads of angels uncountable numbers of heavenly beings, all of them serving the Lord in numerous ways. We know there are angels. Amen? Amen? We know there are angels. We know there are angels because we've read about angels in Scripture. We even know that angels can be in our midst to help us or assist us at any given moment. And we don't understand how this happens, but we know that they're there. What was that story you told me about when you were on the freeway and you went off the road? Well, here, I'm going to give you the mic because I'm going I'm to let you talk about that. Because every time I hear this, when she says it, I said, well, those are probably angels. Now, I don't know that to be the case, but it's just the circumstances as to how it happens. So go ahead.
1: Thank you, no pressure. No. We know each other. Well, the story goes back to when I was about 19 or 20. I'll keep it short, but to give you the context, I was driving a car with, I think, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. So it was really unsteady. On an icy night, coming home from skating, slid off the road at round 271 near Mayfield, went out backwards to a guardrail. Didn't know what, what to do. Jumped out of the car. I'm looking at it. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And this tow truck pulled up behind me, and the guy said, we'll get you out. And he towed me back, pulled me off the guardrail, and they followed me. said, we're going to follow you to your exit. And they followed me down where my wheel went flat. Stopped again. They changed the tire for me. Said, keep going. We'll follow you until you get up to, sh- to about Chagrin Boulevard. And, the, you know, so they did. And they got off, and I remember them waving, and I remember them going up the ramp, and I saw them turn the corner. And it's like they disappeared. And it was I wasn't a believer at that time. It was just very odd. But at this point in my life, I have to believe that was angels because it was a bad night. There was nobody else out there. They stopped not once but twice to help. And they didn't ask for money. They didn't ask me who I was. They didn't look for an insurance card, nothing. Just said, we want to help you. So that's the story.
0: I had to have her share that story. If if anything, sharing a story like that to a non-believer or a person that you're discipling is a way for you to communicate that there is something much greater and much bigger than what they're experiencing. And we can't possibly know all the times we've had angels around us. There's just no way you're going to know. There are people that come in your life and go out of your life and they don't even introduce themselves or they don't even say who they are. They don't give their name. They don't, you know, they may have a name, but it's not a name that we would know. But I want to just emphasize that these are the things that you can use in your conversations with people. And you're not going to look like a knucklehead saying these things. You have to understand that the Spirit's going to have this work with you and through you when you're talking to people. The Spirit's the one that gives the wisdom. The Spirit's the one who gives the guidance. The Spirit is the one who saves people. You're just a conduit. You're just speaking about these heavenly things before others. That was the second bell? Man, okay. It was just ding, 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 huh? All right, well, ding, ding, ding. All right, so we'll pick up where we left off here, but I want you to think about these things we've talked about today and just remember these conversations, these communications, we are supposed to be getting better at discipling as we develop our relationship with the Lord. This is just one of the ways that we can do that. This is a very good way to do it. There is something greater to look forward to. In a world where there's all this turmoil, people need to know that there's something much greater to look forward to than what we have today. And it's not just about going on vacation. Or having a retirement destination. Those are all good things, but there's something much greater. Paradise is perfect. That's a good takeaway for today. Paradise is perfect, and the only perfection comes from Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come together and have this discussion. We thank you for the reassurances that you give us in Scripture about where you are, how your hands created and formed and made heaven, built the foundation, had the blueprints, you put it all together. We thank you for those reminders and we thank you for those assurances. We also now just ask that you bless this group, bless those who truly are focusing upon you, affirm them with your presence. Bless the upcoming message in the speaker and we give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.